though we are not homeowners yet, but if there's one thing that I do almost daily (laughs) is look at renovation and home decor, interior design, all of those things on Instagram. Now, we all gush over the TV shows, the renovation shows, Fixer Upper, and everything in between. But if there's one thing that we have all heard about the process is that as beautiful and as sweet as it is, it is also incredibly stressful. So a few weeks ago, I was on Instagram and I follow Jenna Kutcher and she was posting that she just started working with a company called Alma Homes to build their first dream house. I hopped on their profile and what I found was that their style, there was something about it that just made me feel at home. It felt like such a reflection of who I was. And the more that I learned about them, I actually found that we shared a lot of the same values too. The way that they approach renovation and design and home builds is with the family story at the center. They do a lot more than that that makes me absolutely love them and sets them apart in the industry that you can hear in this episode. But I had to get them on the show today. Now, through this episode, you will hear a few different things. You will hear about how to make the process as pain-free as possible, what the contractors wish you you knew, (laughs) and how you can advocate with your contractors to make sure that all of the designs and all of the details reflect you. This episode, I have to say, is pretty unique um, compared to other conversations you might hear about this topic. So whether you are like me and just dreaming about your one day home or you are in the thick of it, this conversation is for you. And if nothing else, go follow Alma Homes because they have so much coming. Welcome to Making Room, a podcast by Gather Intentional Living and Everyday Hospitality. Listen, we understand that the way that our culture often portrays hospitality is unattainable, and sometimes even just the thought of opening your door is crippling. Join us in the pursuit to bringing beauty, meaning, and celebration back to the everyday gathering. Go ahead, take your seat. We saved one just for you. If you're anything like me, you've always wondered just a little bit about meal subscription boxes. But what if I told you that I have the answer to no advanced meal planning, no grocery shopping, no big messes, and straight to your door restaurant quality meals? Well, with Gobble, you can have all of that. 15 minute restaurant quality meals, you heard that right. With everything pre-chopped, pre-portioned, no need to measure or peel or any of the stuff that drives you nuts on a weeknight, you can have access to a diverse menu of flavors with special options for dietary restrictions, even options for large families and kid-friendly options. With Gobble, you can have all of this delivered right to your door to make your weeknight delicious and so much more simple. Click the link in the podcast notes to get your first six meals for only $36. I promise it's as good as it sounds. Before we start this episode, I just want to make one last note. If you are a regular listener, which I know so many of you are, it would mean so much to us if you paused really quick and wrote a written review. It could be anything from a few words to a paragraph letting other people know that this show is worth tuning into. If every single one of you that listens regularly wrote a review, we would have hundreds. But right now we are in a lower number bracket and we would love to see that change. 
as we take making room to more of a full-time part of Gather, this would make such a difference in helping us get more people to the table. Thanks so much, guys. Cannot wait to read what stands out to the show and what keeps you listening week to week. Now it's time to introduce you to my new friend, Kirsten. I first found you through Jenna Kutcher posting about your work together, which is very exciting. Um, I immediately ran to your page. I felt so at home. I don't know how else to describe it, but in your design style, it just felt kind of like a reflection of me. Um, Your work is so elevated, just really intentional. Um, I want to talk about kind of where, where you started. We love getting to the very beginning of a story. And so when do you first remember your like earliest love of design? Oh goodness. Well, yeah, first and foremost, thank you so much for having me. I'm so excited to be here. Um, I am actually a rare breed in the sense that I fell in love with architecture very, very early. Um, my dad was actually going to be building a home and he had bought me this computer software. I was probably in middle school at the time and it was akin to like the Sims Um, but basically you could just create floor plans and I fell in love with it. And I spent the entire summer that summer, just drawing floor plans, creating different ideas. And I, I just ate it up. Um, I think being exposed to the building industry in that regard with my dad building a home, excuse me, it definitely, it definitely piqued my interest and growing up, I always loved art and I loved math. And so architecture felt like a very happy marriage of those two passions of mine. And so literally since eighth grade, I wanted to become an architect and I was just on the fast track to doing that. So yeah. Uh, it's funny that you compared it to Sims because I was definitely playing Sims yep. and Roller Coaster Tycoon. <laughs> exactly. I but feel like if- that's definitely where you get your little, your little bug. <laughs> <laughs> but that's like, Man, that's actually a unique kind of tip for parents, maybe that have kids that are interested in design to get them something like that instead. Do you remember what it was called? Like, would you recommend it? Oh my goodness. I'm sure. I mean, this was back in like early, early 2000s. So it probably doesn't even exist today. I'm guessing, (laughs) but but yeah, just a little more productive than (laughs) roller coaster tycoon. (laughs) Exactly. (laughs) Ah, that's funny. I love knowing that though. That's, I feel like when I ask that question to people who have a very specific like career path at this Mm -hmm. stage of life, um, I don't know, it goes both ways. They either didn't have early signs Mm -hmm. of it or they did. So it's kind of cool that it started that young. Definitely. And I think too, I mean, just looking back, obviously hindsight is always 2020, but I just loved doing things with my hands. And some of my favorite toys were Lincoln logs and these little like brick block things. So I was just constantly building things. So now I look back and I'm like, oh, it makes sense. But I think yeah. my parents are just great at fostering anything that we were passionate about and then just really encouraging it. I know Colby and I don't have kids yet, but we talk about that. I'm like, I want to be hyper aware to those little things that show up in the kids' mm-hmm. lives. Cause I feel like they're so telling, you know, definitely. They definitely are. I love that your parents were so fostering of that. Yeah. So when you were first kind of learning about design and architecture, um, would you say that it was similar to any other craft in the way that there was a trial and error process? I guess I'll preface with this. So like when I first started baking, I remember my earliest cakes are like cringy now. (laughs) Did you feel like there was some of that happening? Oh my goodness. Yes. So much. So, (laughs) and this is after, 
I, I like, I went to architecture school. I went to grad school for architecture and everything is, you know, it's fun and dandy and conceptual until you start doing your first project. I recently stumbled upon um, my, like a couple of my, my bedrooms from when I was in like middle school and high school. And I thought they were like cutting edge design, like so great. <laughs> This looks like the Eiffel Tower threw up in my bedroom. This is the <laughs> ugliest thing I've ever seen in my life. Um, but no, even still, once I actually started working in the industry, I was very fortunate in that I worked for a larger scale custom home builder where I was doing easily 30 homes a year. So I really got to just flush everything out of my system, try all kinds of different design styles see what worked, see what I liked. I look back at some of those projects and I'm just, I, I just can't look at them. I'm like, oh, 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 I mean, it was cohesive, but not my style. Um, so it definitely took a couple of years just to really come into my style. And I think that, I think that happens with probably every industry that, you know, where there's that element of creativity in it. Yeah. I love hearing that just because I love normalizing that stage of the process because Absolutely. it's so uncomfortable and it's mm-hmm. so like, as we're talking about cringy to look back, yes. and, like <laughs> it's not a pretty process, but if you don't stick it out, you never get to like what was meant to be or like, you exactly. know, where it all leads to. So I exactly. love, I love hearing, I just love hearing that part of the story, everyone's story. It's so fascinating too. And I think a lot of that, obviously with home design, it goes along with the trends and where trends are. Um, But I remember being in college and when I graduated, we obviously learned all the different styles. And I, I was like contemporary or bust. I do not want anything to do with traditional. Like that's my grandma style. And now I love traditional. Like there's a lot of traditional elements in my style, way more so than contemporary. So it's just been fun to watch how that evolves. Absolutely. It's funny to hear you say that I had a similar kind of design journey as I'm just figuring out my own style. Mm -hmm. Um, So I was going to ask you, what would you say yours is now? Like, what would you, (laughs) I know, is it a combination of a few? Um, I don't have like, yeah, it's definitely a combination of multiple different styles. I think the way I usually sum it up is like a relaxed elegance, which we pull in influences from, we love pulling in influences from our travels, um, just a hybrid of styles. But I think all of our spaces, they feel elevated, but in a way that you can come in and take your shoes off and kick your feet up. It's not ostentatious. You feel like you can actually live in the space. So I don't know, that's probably not like a pretty little neat and tidy, like I like modern farmhouse, but um, no, I love that. Cause honestly, you know, Joanna Gaines has that book, like Homebody, where she yeah. breaks them into like very specific titles. And I looked and I was like, huh, like, I guess I fall traditional, but not totally. Mm-hmm. And yeah. I love what you said, relaxed elegance. Mm-hmm. I think that's totally what I would call my style. I, I think you should it. coin there that. You have you, have you, I'm writing it down. Have you coined Trademark. that? <laughs> <laughs> <I know. laughs> you need to like trademark that or whatever. Seriously. <laughs> <laughs> um, but I think, like you said, it's kind of like a fluid process and yeah. almost like what I'm finding with the Enneagram. I always bring the Enneagram into things. Sometimes it's like an overlap of a few. Mm-hmm. Okay. So somewhere in this process of kind of like mm-hmm. playing with software as a kid, going to school, figuring yeah. out your own style and having clients, mm-hmm. um, you started Alma Homes. I did. So talk to me about where, like where that fell into the journey and like mm-hmm. how it started. Absolutely. Yeah. So I always knew growing up that I wanted to own my own company. That was always a desire of mine. 
Um, I just, I actually didn't have any exposure to the building industry growing up besides the fact that my dad built a home. My dad is a financial advisor. My grandpa's a dentist. My other grandpa sells insurance. So I knew going in, I had a lot to learn. Um, so that's, you know, that's why I did go to, you know, school for architecture and construction management. And I went to a lot of school. I love school. I'm kind of a nerd in that regard. Um, but after I graduated, I graduated in the armpit of the housing market when everything had crashed. Um, and it just so happened that one of my friends from undergrad was working at this custom home building company. And there was a position open in interior design, which wasn't what my formal training was in. But at that point, my philosophy was it's a job. I'll take it. I'm not going to complain. It's in residential. I'll just, we'll try it. Um, and I actually fell in love with it. I fell in love with just being involved in the entire process. I did get to do a lot of architecture in that role as well, but then also then the interior design. And then I was also exposed to the construction side of things. So I worked there for two and a half, three years, um, basically until I felt like I wasn't learning anymore. And then I quit to start my own company. Uh, I was going to start Alma Homes and then a recruiter had reached out for a different company. And long story short, they made me an offer I couldn't turn down. And I decided, you know, it's probably a good, good idea to have, you know, one more company under my belt just to see how they run things, see what the differences are. So I worked there for about a year and I loved the company. It was you know, the owner was just the most amazing guy. Um, but I just knew in my heart, it was not my long-term place. So about a year, a year into that, I just, excuse me, about a year into that, I just knew it was time to, time to give it a shot. And I just quit my job one day on a whim. I'm like my two weeks notice. I just, this isn't where I want to be. So I love you guys, but I have to try this. I'm going to regret this for the rest of my life. And it just took off. I thought, you know, wow. I thought I would just work out of my home office for a long time. And within like three months, we had an office and we were hiring people and it just, it grew oh like wildfire. I want to go back quick before I forget to something you yeah. said um, just a minute ago, you yeah. said something about um, you wanted to, you didn't want to stay like when you, when you stopped learning, what was that yes. about? Yeah. Say yeah. Again. So I going into the industry, I, you know, I was green, completely green. I knew nothing. Um, even going through architecture school, they just teach you. It's like very theoretical. Um, and so I knew nothing about construction and I, the job I worked at, I was getting great experience, didn't love the company, but I I had great experience there. And so my mentality was just stay here, nose to the grindstone and learn everything you possibly can be a sponge. And the minute I stopped learning, as soon as I felt like, okay, I've learned all that I can possibly learn from this company, then I quit because, um, yeah, I feel like if you're not constantly growing and you're not enjoying it, then move on to the bigger and better things. Something, the reason I went back to that is because I feel like everyone kind of has something in them, call it a calling, call it a dream, whatever you want to call it. And I think a lot of people struggle with, okay, when do I make the leap? When do I make the step? Is this valid? And I love that. I love that because that's something for us to kind of all put into check. Mm -hmm. Like, are we, um, are we kind of stagnant here? Are we comfortable? Maybe it's time to do it now. Yeah. 
And I should say, to be fair, so I did know that owning my own company would be in my future. So from a financial standpoint, in the background of all of this going on, I was actually doing long-term flips. So I would buy a home, fix it up, live there for two years, sell it, and then take the money, do it again. So when I when it actually came time for me to quit, I had saved up enough money where I knew that I could fail at this for an entire year and not have to worry where my next paycheck is coming from. And I think that for me just gave me such a huge sense of security. And so I'm not saying that you have to have a year's worth of your salary saved up. Um, but I think just making sure you have some sort of contingency plan, I think is really crucial and it will give you the confidence you need. Because if I was sitting here stressing out, like, oh my gosh, where's my next paycheck coming from? When I did start Alma Homes, I didn't pay myself for three months. I could have, but I was just so worried about making sure the business had enough money. And then year end came and I'm like, oh, okay, I can pay myself. This is cool. So, um, yeah, I think that's good wisdom. That on it too. Yeah, that's good wisdom. Um, and definitely an incredible security and just, yeah, Definitely. you were so wise in planning that process. Yeah, that's really good. Really good. Well, one thing I want to hone in on um, is talking to homeowners, potential homeowners, anyone thinking about the reno process, <laughs> the mm-hmm. renovation process. Um, if you want to talk to different areas of your expertise with this, feel free. Okay. Um, okay. So, I want to talk to the homeowners and let's kind of start with this general topic Mm -hmm. when they are starting a renovation process, what should they expect and how can they prepare ahead of time to make it as smooth as possible? Absolutely. So, oh my gosh, I could talk on this forever. I have so many things to say. (laughs) I want you to, because I feel like it's kind of a, um, like a daunting side of homeownership. Definitely spill everything. Yeah, it absolutely (laughs) is. I think first and foremost, Um, have your finances in order, know how much you are comfortable spending and make sure if it's, you know, if it's you or you and your spouse, make sure if there's a second party involved that you guys are on the same page. Um, and I think the more that you two can be on the same page with finances, scope of the project, the better it will go. I think it's okay. A lot of our clients will come in and they'll say, Hey, we want to do the main level. We would love to do the basement too, but that's the second priority. So as long as their priorities are in line, I think that is the very first most important thing. Um, if you guys can't be on the same page, it's going to be very, very challenging to get your contractor to read both of your minds and essentially play therapist, if you will. <laughs> that's part of my job too. Oh my God. <laughs> um, funny. So first and foremost, agree on the scope, agree on your budget. Um, Then I would start doing your research. Look, you know, talk to different people. Who are you following on social media? You know, who is doing well in your area? Um, There are a ton of great contractors out there. There really are. Unfortunately, there are some bad eggs as well, but I think the good largely outnumber the bad. Um, And ultimately work with somebody that you just you feel like you have a good connection with because it will be a long relationship. Um, even if it's just a kitchen remodel, like these things do take time mm-hmm. and you're going to want to ask what are their communication processes? Um, do they use software? What are the, how are they ordering? What is just ask logistical questions, especially in today's economy industry, things are just wild. like we call it the wild west all the time right now, because for us, lead times are crazy. 
Um, we are very process oriented. So we order everything before the job starts. So knock on like every piece of wood, but we've actually been very fortunate <laughs> and we haven't had massive issues. Um, but I know a lot of people that they wait to select their tile until tile gets installed next week. Good luck. Like tile is easily, a lot of it's like six weeks out. Um, so I would say that's a roundabout way, a roundabout way of saying, ask the contractor what their processes are, how they plan to handle these like labor shortages, how they plan to handle um, the lead times on things. And if you just kind of get like answers that kind of dodge the question, it might not be the best, you know, it might not be the best fit for you. Um, That being said, I think use a little grace because we all are dealing with the exact same thing right now. And so we may not have the most perfect polished answer, but if someone were to ask us right now, we would have a very clear answer on, yes, there are going to be unforeseen, but this is what we do to mitigate that and to prevent that moving like proactively. That's uh, so good. Yeah. Yeah. There's, it's, there's a lot of moving pieces right now. And we talk yeah. all the time about how different it is today, even versus three years ago. It's, it's Man. like a completely different industry. So that's hard. It's, I mean, I feel like every industry is facing it, but I think like mm-hmm. you said, that grace we have yeah. to go into it with that grace of like, oh my gosh, things are just constantly yeah. changing. You have to, you definitely yeah. have to. The other thing I would say too, is, um, with your budget, don't go and max it out before you started construction. We're a little different than a lot of contractors in that we are a fixed price contractor. So wow. we do lock our pricing. Um, we have had to condition lumber with how crazy lumber has gotten, but ultimately there has been just unprecedented price increases. Mm -hmm. And so if you come in before even construction and you say, oh, I've maxed my budget, it's not a good position to be in with the current state of the market, Mm -hmm. just because things are changing so rapidly. I feel Um, like as you're saying that, that you're a fixed price contractor, that's not common. It's not common at all. It's really not common. It's common if you get into more production style, um, but with custom, it's very rare. Most people do cost plus. But I'm sure that's very appealing to it your market. To our clients. Right? Yeah. It's definitely good for appealing. you guys. Thank you. I knew you were a good pick. <laughs> <laughs> well, thank you. I, I just like it because I've seen it happen, you know, in different companies where the client comes in and at the start of construction, they're a hundred thousand dollars less than at the end of construction. And I sit wow. there and I think, what if the client doesn't have that money? What if they, you know, and a lot of these, a lot of yeah. the clients. They're, they're comfortable. They're okay with that. But I am just big on transparency on, you know, you know what you get when you work with us. Yeah. Um, and so, and even if that's not the case, even if your contractor is not mm-hmm. fixed price, just understand what that process is. Because mm-hmm. again, there's many incredible contractors that operate differently than us. So yeah, I think that's it's really good. So I'm trying to summarize just a little bit. So you were saying yeah. like, agree on the, pro- like talk about the project beforehand, yep. make sure the priorities are kind of set before you bring the contractor in. Absolutely. Right. Um, research a little bit mm-hmm. like design and things that you're looking for, yep. ask questions about the software or the process, how they're dealing with like labor shortage and things mm-hmm. like that. Did I miss anything? And I would say at the end of the day, you need to work with somebody that you trust. It will be the best relationship if you can trust them to do their job and not micromanage them. 
and vice versa. I think that with all of our clients, that always creates the best relationship. Most of our clients, honestly, are they're entrepreneurs or they're executives or they're busy. And what we tell them is, you know, this is what we're passionate about. This is what we do. And we do this well. You focus on what you do well and we'll do what we do well. And it just it's just this happy marriage for us and our clients. Wow. That trust piece is huge. It definitely yeah. Is. From a design standpoint, I think you definitely mm-hmm. want to look at that too, because you want to work with somebody that isn't trying to impose their design ideas on oh. you. I think that can get get to be, a, it's, you know, it's a slippery slope. At the end of the day, we're big on, we want our designs to feel reflective of our clients. Mm-hmm. Um, so just, you know, work with someone who you gel with, work with somebody who you love their design style. Um, we can design in a bunch of different styles. It tends to be most of our clients come to us and we're like, awesome, this is our style. We love it. We don't have to push ourselves. Um, just because they, you know, they see what we post on social media or online and they gravitate towards that. So I think it's kind of a self-fulfilling prophecy in a way. Um, but but yeah, I think just work with somebody who's very understanding and who feels who feels like they get you. Would you say it's fair? I think this question mm-hmm. makes sense to base someone's. OK, so say, for example, like you're designing currently in that relaxed yeah. elegance, but maybe someone yeah. wants rustic. Mm-hmm. Should they ask you even if they don't see it on your Instagram? Absolutely. Yeah, yeah. because um, I think I think absolutely ask. Um, a lot of times designers will have a portfolio that is well beyond what they show on Instagram. I know for us, we don't post all of our photos on Instagram or all of our projects on Instagram. A lot of it for us is, you know, Instagram is tailored to this is the style that we love to design in. This is, these are the projects that we're the most proud of. Um, but that doesn't mean we can't do a rustic home and knock it out of the park. Um, we actually have done a lot of rustic homes, but for us, a lot of Instagram too is looking at, okay, what's engaging, what's resonating with people, what do people want to see? Um, and so the projects that don't perform as well, ultimately really right or wrong, we show less of. I wanted to ask that because I feel like as a business owner, um, people are so quick to look at Instagram and not head to the business or not mm-hmm. ask for more. And so it's just a good reminder to like contact Absolutely. the owner, like talk to people, ask for mm-hmm. more information. Cause Instagram is just a little like snippet of what they're, totally. it totally is a snippet of your life. It's a snippet of your business. So yeah, always dig deeper. It's a good reminder. Okay. Good, that. good. Now on the flip side of this, mm-hmm. um, we were talking about how to make it smooth, how to prepare. Yeah. Um, we have all heard of projects that go maybe too long, have funky billing (laughs) or funky staffing, like all this stuff, right? What are some red flags that people should look for? Mm -hmm. Um, Let's start there and then we'll do the second part. Yeah. I think this is going to sound completely ridiculous, but it's actually a thing. You should make sure that this is the contractor's full-time job. I have heard so many horror stories from people who hired their friend who's a contractor, but they're working at, you know, X, Y, or Z corporation full-time and doing this in their, you know, part-time and you cannot build a house part-time or it will take forever. Um, so I think just the basic pre-qualifications, is this their full-time job? Are they licensed? Are they insured? Start there. If you didn't know for any of those, move on to the next one. You just, it probably won't be the best experience. <laughs> um, and then from there, I think it's just asking those questions up front that we talked about previously. How do you handle this? Um, For us, we utilize this cloud-based software. 
and it has all of our calendars online. So our clients can log in in real time and see what's going on in their home. They can see what's coming up in their home. So, um, you know, again, asking how do they go about procuring materials? What do they anticipate end dates being? Um, what does the communication process look like in regards to schedules, budget, all of those things? That was totally, that was really perfect. Okay. And I think, awesome. I think sometimes people don't give like trusting your gut enough credit, mm-hmm. but I feel like you could discern pretty easy, like early yeah. on, is this someone that I want to spend a lot of time in my house around my family? Absolutely. Are they answering questions? Like, I don't know. Absolutely. Just that whole discernment thing. I think so. I think that's the biggest piece of advice I can give you throughout the entire process is trust your gut, especially when it comes to design as well. I know this sounds silly, but we tell all of our clients. So we do all of our you know, interior selections before we start construction. We do them in our showroom. We lay everything out together. And I tell everybody, go with your first choice. Don't sit there and hum and haw oh. over it because literally we've seen it happen many times where as the pieces start to get installed, um, a perfect example is we prime the walls and people will, you know, it's not the finished paint. And even when the paint goes on, they'll question it and they'll say, I don't know if this is right. It looks too yellow. And it's, it's, it's funny because it happens so frequently, but what they don't realize is that when we pick your selections, we are looking at everything together. That's going to be in the finished home right now. That paint is pulling weird subtones from your subfloor. You don't have your flooring in, you don't have your tile in and we've seen all too often where if the client goes back, changes their selection at the end of the day, they come back and they're like, I should have stayed with my first one. I should have just stayed with the first selection we did. So trust your gut. You are making good decisions. Um, if you have a designer working with you, they are advocating for you. They're making sure you're not making colossal mistakes. We are trained to pick up the nuances in colors. So they're not going to pull weird tones. Wow. Um, so absolutely trust your gut a hundred percent. I feel like that's such a common, um, like it's not quite decision fatigue, but like oh, decision absolutely. questioning and you're like, ah, maybe yeah. like it's so common. So I love mm-hmm. that. And even just yes. like across life, like seriously, yeah. just like make a decision and stick with it. Seriously. <laughs> you can trust yourself. Yeah, exactly. Um, Oh man, that must drive you guys. It must just be really hard for you. It honestly, it's not that bad. We've, we've experienced so much that we just, we tell people in the front end, there's different phases in the process where we know there's maybe these little trigger points and like, it's like work where the client will be like, oh wow. Like this house feels very small when the foundation is poured Mm -hmm. and then the walls go up and you're like, Whoa, this is way bigger than I thought it was going to be. It's just huh. these weird optical illusions. And we just come to anticipate them and tell clients. And now we just kind of laugh about it when it happens and the client yeah. can laugh about it too. Yeah, that's good. Yeah. That's really good. Um, okay. So on your website, we yeah. saw that um, this was, we're quoting you. I love quoting okay. people because they say it best. <laughs> Through a mixture of builds, remodels, and additions, Alma focuses on creating homes designed around the way our clients live. Mm -hmm. Right. So how do you adjust your work or through the process? Mm -hmm. Um, how do you make sure that it reflects the family that you're working with? What does that look like? Detail detail wise, practically. Yeah, absolutely. That's one of my favorite questions. Um, because that is one of our core values in our company is making sure like our slogan is we design homes designed around the way you live. Um, I I think, I think it's so important Um, so how we achieve that is we get to know our clients. We do a lot of really extensive questionnaires, just asking 
all of these questions. How do you live? Do you like, do your kids play hockey or do your kids play soccer? If, you know, like based on like the different things that they do, we may want to tweak their home. Um, you know, do you need a big mudroom or are you more of an entertainer and you want this massive kitchen? So just mm-hmm. learning how they live. We have a, like I said, it's a, it's a really long questionnaire that they just answer a ton of questions. Um, and then the same thing when it comes to design, the interior design as well, we have them do a lot of inspiration images, just so we get a great sense of their mm-hmm. style. I think for us being that design build firm where we do all the design and construction in-house, we're with them so long that we just really get to know them and understand what they're looking for. Mm -hmm. Um, Because at the end of the day, like I'm going to make sure their space is cohesive and is beautiful, Mm -hmm. but it's not meant to be, you know, this is not Kirsten's house. This is not my style. Yes. I probably am going to love it and would love to move into that house. <laughs> but at the end of the day, it's my job to make it feel like them when they walk in the door. That's really good. And would you say that that extensive questionnaire process is common or is that unique to Alma? I am not sure. Honestly, I had never experienced it until we decided to do this. And to be perfectly frank, we did not have this um, when we first started the company, we implemented it probably two years ago. A lot of it just from an efficiency standpoint, it also helps us get all yeah. the information from our clients where, you know, they can sit at home, have a glass of wine, talk amongst themselves because the challenge that we were coming up with was, you know, he might want one thing, she might want another. And it was taking a ton of our time to like get mm-hmm. them on the same page. And so now this really helps. They can talk amongst themselves, kind of hash it out, say, yes, we want this. Yes, we want this. And then we make sure we're not missing anything too, as we are asking those questions and we can always reference back to them. So that's really good. Like, yeah. Cause like, even though we know Alma does, but maybe that Mm -hmm. could be something if it's important to somebody, which I would imagine it's important to all of us, Mm -hmm. whether we know it or not, (laughs) but to bring that up in the process, you know, like. Yeah. Hey, what do you do to customize this? Or can we talk about my family's lifestyle? I love that. that. Or even, even if, you know, if your builder or your designer doesn't have that, you can always create something yourself. Even if it's as simple as just a word doc and say, Mm -hmm. these are our must haves. I actually would really recommend people do that. These are our must haves. These are our like to haves. These Mm -hmm. are our, if budget allows, or Mm. we don't need these things. Um, And yeah, just, you know, make sure it's just very clear what your expectations are. Um, And yeah, I guess if, again, if your builder or your designer doesn't have that, that doesn't mean you can't do this. Talk to your husband, talk to your wife. If it's just you, well, then take some time with your journal and say, this is what I really want. What are the pain points in my current home? Um, What, you know, what would I love to have? Do you love to cook or do you just do takeout every night? There's nothing wrong with either, but we're going to, you know, your kitchen design, we're going to design around it. So Mm -hmm. so that's really good. That's really good. That was one of the main reasons too. I was so just like drawn into your brand. Cause I feel like you try to tell a story through your design. You You try try to tell the family story. (laughs) I know. And that's so important to me just as I approach like, you know, inspiring the everyday host, I want all the decisions they make in their home to tell their story. Uh-huh. Yeah. Cause it, it, cause your guests can feel it right. Yeah. Like when, when guests enter a home and it like mm-hmm. tells your family story, it's an extension of you, you know? It and, yeah. It yeah it just, is. I love that. I love yeah. you, oh, that. Oh, well, that's really good. I, <laughs> I'm just encouraged to hear that. Um, this is kind of like a new wave in the industry mm-hmm. that's inviting that storytelling. Yeah, absolutely. And the thing is too, is that 
I understand that not everybody has the budget to build this beautiful custom home. Even if you're buying an existing home, even if you're remodeling, um, there's so many different ways that if all you're doing is adding furniture and paint to your home, just be intentional with what you're purchasing. Mm -hmm. I love to travel. So we built our house a couple of years ago. And so our travel really influenced it. And it's so fun to me because I can walk through different parts of our house and be like, like the tile in our basement bathroom, for instance, there's this, these sidewalks in Barcelona that were designed by Gaudi and the tile is like a replica, a replica of it. And I just think it's the coolest thing ever because every time I go in there, I'm like, oh my gosh, this reminds me of Spain. Um, and so I think just how can you be intentional with the pieces that you're bringing in, whether it's Mm -hmm. through photographs, through furniture, you don't need to have millions of dollars to do this just because, you know, I'm not beating up on modern farmhouse. It's just been very trendy for the last few years, but just because modern farmhouses everywhere, if that's not your style, don't do it. Do what you love. That's such a, yeah, that's so good. I feel like it was like modern farmhouse or bust, like yeah, it <laughs> the totally past few years in design, right? And I'm like, that's not me. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> yeah, that, that's the beauty of design and telling your family story through, yes, through absolutely. your house. So absolutely. very good permission. Um, okay. One thing that I personally was thinking about, like even before this yeah. conversation is I'm always, I, yeah, I'm always curious mm-hmm. about this. So a lot of times renovation happens and the family is still living in the house <laughs> or part of the house, which yeah. you hear mixed things, right? Yeah. You hear like the whole family sleeping in one room, doing, moving mm-hmm. the kitchen to the garage. Yep. Um, how do we make this process seamless? Let's start it there. Is- what are your tips? I'm going to be perfectly honest. There is nothing enjoyable about it. If you do choose to live through a renovation, you just have to go in with the mentality that this is going to be hard. Um, I personally have lived through a renovation before and it it's miserable. Like I'm not going to sugarcoat it. Um, so for us with most of the remodels that we do, they generally speaking are whole homes. So generally our clients are moving out even if it's not a whole home, we strongly encourage clients to move out if they have the means to do so. If you don't have the means to do so, you really just, you need to be prepared um, and you need to handle the situation with grace because the reality of it is, is that construction is messy. Things are going to be loud. Things are going to take time. And yes, you know, we have had clients that live in their homes and we'll tell them if you work from home, you need to find a different place to work during the days because we can't be, you know, like, sure, we can slow down. We can tell our framers not to come this day because you have a Zoom call, but that's just going to prolong it. So usually what I say is at the very least, you know, move out for a chunk of time and then the contractor can come in and just do as much as possible. Um, But I understand that everybody can do that. So Hmm. when, when that is the case, you know, like if you don't have a kitchen set something up or say, you know, like we're going to make a habit or we're going to make a routine of like doing something fun with our kids and doing dinner on, you know, certain nights a week, or give yourself something to look forward to Hmm. and get out of the house just because it can be very stressful living through a renovation. I'm, I'm not going to sugarcoat. That's, that's real though. That's good. I mean, I wanted the real side of that. And so on the flip side of this, Mm -hmm. and I want you to be as honest as you are comfortable with, what do the contractors wish the family knew? Like, are there any things that, is there anything that families do during this process that maybe, disrupts the process or gets in the way. I think, um, if you can just stay clear of the construction area, 
Mm-hmm. Um, kids and pets, especially. So we have to put like a clause in our contract that you are responsible for containing your children and you are responsible for containing your pets um, and figuring out what that looks like. Because at the end of the day, I have a dog. I love dogs. I like love them. I would literally cry if something happened to somebody's pet when we were on site, Mm -hmm. if a door got left open. Um, And you need to know that the doors are going to be left open constantly. So I think that's the biggest thing is being aware of your family's safety um, and not putting that on the contractor. That's, that's your responsibility for sure to make sure kids should never be in the construction area, um, especially not when there's work going on, but they just really shouldn't be period because a lot of times like there's nails, there's all kinds of stuff. So I think the safety is the biggest one. So just try to stay out of it as much as possible. Um, yeah. How about the family checking in on the project when the contractors are there? How is that looked at? It can get really challenging. (laughs) Some clients are wonderful. Um, What I would say is if you have a, if you have a contractor that you trust, trust them and try not to insert yourself too much. And I know that's super hard to do because you're really excited. I think that's totally fine. If you want to walk through and check on stuff. Mm -hmm. Um, But what can get really challenging is when the client shows up and inserts themselves in the situation and starts talking to our trades because the client might give them some different information. And now there's, you know, information is getting crossed and then it it's hard for us to manage, you know, wow. The right thing when the client's giving them different information than what was previously. That's so good. That's really good. Like we love having our clients on site. We want you to be excited. Um, and obviously it's human nature to want to talk to whoever is in your house. Mm -hmm. Um, but if they ask you questions, we always, we tell our trade partners, we say, if you have questions, your questions go to your designer or they go, Mm -hmm. you know, to us, do not ask the homeowner because to to be perfectly Mm -hmm. fair, there is decision fatigue. You've made these decisions three months ago and the homeowner probably doesn't remember. Um, and so you just, you can have some very costly mistakes, so I yeah. just err on the side of trust your contractor to manage all communication. If the subs ask you questions, divert mm-hmm. them back to them. Um, but That's yeah. good. That's really good. I'm just picturing, like, I've seen that happen and I could just yeah. imagine the nightmare of like mm-hmm. that crossover. So I'm glad we talked about it. Yeah. And the thing is, is it's like, we understand, we understand that you're excited. We want you to be excited. It's a very, very exciting process. Um, and yes, it can be very stressful, I don't think it needs to be stressful though. If you work with partners that you trust, I think it should be one of the most exciting things that you can do just because it's so rewarding. You get to literally build this beautiful home that's created around your family. Um, And not everybody gets the chance to do that. And so I think just keeping that in mind and also last unsolicited piece of advice, but keep in mind that this is, we are not saving lives. Like this is a privilege, what you are doing. And we do tell our clients this too. Like we're not doing brain surgery. We're not curing cancer at the end of the day, like things will go wrong and we will always fix it. And you need mm-hmm. to keep the mindset that, that like, I am blessed to be able to do this. This is not, this is a luxury. This is not like a basic human need and we're not saving lives. So yeah, green of salt oh, with everything. <laughs> yeah. That's so good. All of it, man. I love all those just like reminders and truths and permission that come with the process. Um, As you look to the future of Alma, Mm -hmm. um, what, 
whatever you can say, whatever you want to mm-hmm. say, um, what dreams do you have for the brand, the company? Mm-hmm. Um, where is it going? Spill. Absolutely. <laughs> yes. We actually have a lot of really exciting things coming up. We have been working really hard on just some bigger picture things. Obviously, we will always continue to do new new builds and remodels and design work for our clients. We are launching e-design services, which will allow us to serve um, people all throughout the United States with our design services, which we are so excited about. Maybe get some travel under our belt, which we all of our team loves to travel. So yeah, uh, we're excited to do that. We are opening up. We are building an Airbnb in Breckenridge, Colorado. Oh my word! Uh, which we are beyond excited about. That should be breaking ground this summer. Um, so we're excited just to welcome guests and have have more people be able to experience what we do. Um, yeah. And then lastly, we also are launching some courses this year. So the first one that we are launching for us, Instagram Reels has just transformed our platform. Um, so we are actually are launching a Instagram Reels course. And I can give you guys a coupon code if you guys would oh like my that. Gosh. I just like, I'm like, yes, yes. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, our, our biggest, like where we're going with this is we want to make Alma Homes accessible to more people. Wow. Um, on a bigger scale while still feeling like there's some custom element to it. So that's been our biggest, our biggest focus this year is how can we, how can we reach more people without diluting down the product too much? So genius. Um, I was just talking to a few entrepreneur friends this morning about wanting to plan a working retreat. Have you ever been Uh, on one? I, yes, they are amazing. And that is actually something well, spoiler alert, we are going to be launching that too with the Airbnb. So we are going to be doing retreats there as well. Oh my. But I just can't wait to get some well, female entrepreneurs out there and well, really dive sign me them. up. I will, as you'll soon be the as first you said that, I was like, okay, booked. <laughs> yes. <laughs> I, I'm just, we're just so excited to really expand our services and be able to serve people more um, outside of just our clients. And we've been very fortunate that our team is growing. And so we're having the the team members that can take care of our clients and we're able mm. to think bigger picture now and see how we can serve more people. So, so exciting. I will attach as many of those things as I can in oh, the show okay. notes. <laughs> we have a lot coming. <laughs> so you will see them there, but, um, um, okay. So we ask, um, each of our guests, the same three questions, and mm-hmm. I want to hear your answers to them as well. Um, what is something that you have eaten recently and loved? Oh my goodness. Our next door neighbor is the most amazing cook ever. So anything he makes is awesome, but he just made this amazing creme brulee, which was like oh. to die for. So love oh. a good creme brulee. I haven't had creme brulee in so long. I forget about it. So good. I, yeah. I would never make it, but whenever somebody makes it, I'm like, yeah. oh, isn't it funny when someone in your life? <laughs> yeah, when someone in your life makes something so well, you're like, I don't even have to try that because no, exactly. <laughs> Absolutely. Um, something you found to be beautiful lately. It could be anything. Oh goodness. I am a sucker for good sunrises. Um, but then also our team has really just been just taking on all kinds of new challenges. And it's been really beautiful watching them grow and develop. So yeah. That- we don't stop enough to like see that as beautiful. 
but growth and change. And it's really beautiful. Good. And a gathering you've attended that made you feel a strong sense of belonging. And if you could pinpoint it, what it was that made you feel that way. That is a really good question. I think for me, I, I just, I love what I do. So work conferences, I was just down at high point market this past weekend. Um, and so I just come alive when I get to be creative and I feel like in my element when I'm working. Um, so I think probably down at high point market, we did a lot of education seminars. That was just, yeah, really, you know, you're with like-minded people and, um, probably that. Hmm. I love that. Yeah. That's something I've been craving a lot. Like I, I work from home alone, which is just mm-hmm. the nature of work right now. Yeah. I was just telling Colby, I need to be in more settings, which kind of sparked the work retreat concept mm-hmm. where I'm like around other creatives and getting to like yes. use this a little bit more. And so I totally get that feeling and like mm-hmm. the need for it too. It's really Absolutely. sweet. I, I totally agree. I think whenever you can just collaborate with people and mm-hmm. hear the people are going through the same thing as you, even if, I mean, I'm sure if you and I were to sit down for a weekend, we would just have so much in common, even yeah. though we're in completely different industries, just because entrepreneurs right. face so many of the same challenges. Yeah. You need each and other. Not alone. <laughs> yeah. And it makes you come alive. It's so true. So Absolutely. true. Well, like I said, I'm going to link some of the new specific things that we talked about in the show notes, but where else can people find you? You can find us on Instagram at all the homes and you can find us on Pinterest at all the homes as well. Those are probably, and TikTok. We are, have been in our TikTok, which has been interesting and fun. <laughs> also at all the homes. <laughs> That's so good. I have not tried to tackle TikTok yet. And um, I just got a Twitter the other day and my husband was like, are you having a quarter life crisis? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> my first time getting one, but good for you guys. <laughs> I love that. We have um, Emily is our digital content coordinator and she's wonderful. And she's like, I want to create us a TikTok. And she's just, it's taken off. And I'm like, Emily, you just, you, you keep you do doing it. what you're doing. You're doing yeah. great. <laughs> <laughs> Isn't that, oh man, that's so yeah. good. No, I know it's really good. So everyone go follow them. Um, I'm sure reach out if you have any questions. Yes, absolutely. You guys are available. Yes, definitely. We have a ton of great resources on our website, on our blog, all about if you're looking to build, if you're looking to remodel, even if you're not in our area, I think it's very useful information. So feel free to head there and check stuff out or send us a DM. We're more than happy to answer your questions. We try to respond to every DM we get. So fire away. (laughs) Yeah, I love it. I love it. I love it. Well, thank you so much, guys. We will see you next week. Thank you so much for having me. You're welcome. This was fun.